It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, everybody, we welcome you aboard. It is episode number 263 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. As always, you can follow the podcast with all sorts of Redskins news and information at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins on Twitter, at Locked Redskins. Uh, No, just drop the on, uh, at Locked Redskins as well, at Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram, at Locked on NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram, For all your NFL team news and information all across the NFL from all of our local podcast hosts uh, and experts. And you can follow me individually on Twitter at Russellmania621. Coming up in this episode, again, episode number 263, we'll continue our two-part look at the New York Giants. Uh, We kind of talked with Patricia Trana in part one, uh, episode number 262, in case you missed that. Here's what we're also starting today as training camp is drawing ever Closer, 17 days away from the time that I record this, uh, July 25th is when the Redskins open up. So we're going to start taking a look each and every episode at the positional battles and the unit battles. And I wanted to start this particular episode with working our way from the back to the front, if you will, the back to the front. And that's the secondary looking forward. So we'll finish with the quarterbacks. That's what everybody's been talking about. That's what everybody on the outside is going to see. We're going to start with the secondary, and we're going to, again, move our way forward. So coming up, we'll continue in other episodes going through the defense and then on to the offense, and again, we'll finish up uh, with the quarterback spot. So let's start with that secondary. And, of course, you know it's been a tumultuous offseason for Josh Norman. Uh, He's not happy with the media. He's not happy with Jay Gruden. Uh, he held out part of the voluntary offseason program. He was there for the mandatory program. Uh, he's very outspoken. He's got two years left on his contract. He has a cap number of $14.5 million. Certainly, he made some plays last year. He got beat for eight touchdowns, according to Pro Football Focus. And I'm not saying that's exactly accurate because, again, Josh, they do not know what the exact coverage assignment is. Clearly, they have a system. Clearly, they have a methodology. Clearly, they feel comfortable with what they're doing. I'm going to take their word at it uh, and take it with a grain of salt and say maybe it's not eight, maybe it's seven. I don't know. Maybe it's nine. Who knows? The bottom line is is Josh Norman wasn't good enough last year, and his coach, his head coach, said it. And everyone in the building knows it. Everyone in the building knows it. Trust me on that. Everyone in the building knows it. But Josh Norman is still here. We spent a lot of time on him in the offseason, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time with him uh, moving forward. Now, the big question for me on the surface, right, is the opposite starting cornerback spot in the base package. Is it Quentin Dunbar? Is it Fabian Moreau? I, I think it'll be Quentin Dunbar if he's healthy. That's the way it certainly was last year when Quentin Dunbar was healthy. And remember, he missed much of the second half of the season 
He says he's healthy. He says he's ready to go. Uh, we had some words with him uh, on on an episode during OTAs. He says he's running at full speed. He is participating. So, I mean, I assume he'll be ready to go. If Quentin Dunbar is healthy, Quentin Dunbar is probably the opposite starting corner. I think he's ahead of Fabian Moreau, even though Moreau finished up last year as the outside boundary corner, outside corner, after working much of last year in the slot. That doesn't mean Fabian Moreau won't have a big role. Obviously, he'll be the top cornerback backup, assuming it works out that way. And clearly, again, guys get hurt, guys get banged up all the time. We don't even know if we're going to make it through the preseason and training camp without having somebody from that area and that position group go on IR or be out for a significant amount of time. So clearly, this can change and change rapidly from the time that we record this to the time we get to Philadelphia for week one. So I see that basically being the top three corners on the outside. The top two corners on the inside, I, I think everybody would presume, Dominique rogers Cromartie, right, who can play outside, he can play inside, and he might be able to even play some free safety for the Redskins. Uh, that we will get to in a second. But Dominique rogers Cromartie, uh, and as well, then you have, um, you know, in, in addition in, in addition to um, – uh, DRC, you obviously have the young rookie, um, Jimmy Moreland. Gosh, I, his name was slipping my mind for a second. Sorry. Uh, out of James Madison. So he and DRC are going to be battling for the starting spot at the slot position. I assume DRC will win that. Veteran savvy, you know, like sometimes off-season programming, uh, off-season program performance certainly doesn't translate preseason. You know, all that stuff. Jimmy Moreland is a ball hawk, he's a gnat, uh, he's a pest, he's a pain in the ass in a good way. I think he'll make the roster clearly, uh, even as a seventh-round pick. I got it. Again, uh, seventh-round picks uh, do make it. Trey Quinn made it last year as Mr. Irrelevant. Um, So I I think Moreland and DRC will both be on the roster. And DRC, even though he retired from football, the guy can play, again, outside, inside. He can play potentially uh, free safety. So to me, those are your top five corners, right? Just in 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 order, Josh Norman, um, Fabian Moreau. Uh, well, Josh Norman, uh, then Quinton Dunbar, then Fabian Moreau, then DRC, and Jimmy Moreland. I think that's pretty set as your top five. Now the question becomes, is how many more do you take? I do think they'll take more than five. I do think they'll take at least a sixth. I do not think they'll take a seventh. So the sixth battles uh, basically between Adonis Alexander, Greg Stroman, and Danny Johnson. Um, Look, if looks matter, if frame matters, if development matters, if size matters, Adonis Alexander is your choice. The problem is... Adonis Alexander has missed a lot of time. He missed much of the OTA program. He got in late last year because of his supplemental pick. Didn't play a lot last year. He clearly has a lot to improve on, right? So does Danny Johnson. So does Greg Stroman. But Greg Stroman played a more integral role last year. So I would say Greg Stroman is in the lead here for a sixth and likely final cornerback spot. But again, what do they do with Adonis Alexander? Unless Adonis Alexander can transition and and play at free safety and learn both free safety and continue his development at corner to make himself 
dual position versatile, which will help out Adonis Alexander because one thing we know about Greg Stroman, he cannot do that. But if Adonis Alexander can play free safety and maybe he gives a push to other guys, which we'll get into in a second, that might push a guy like Greg Stroman onto that sixth slot for corners, right? If you're going to count Adonis Alexander more as a free safety than a corner, then you might be able to keep Adonis Alexander and Greg Stroman, cut Danny Johnson, unfortunately, um, and, you know, also, again, say goodbye to a couple of other guys that are just, you know, kind of hanging around and, and bottom of the roster spots. Maybe they go to the practice squad, whatever it might be. Uh, but basically where you can keep, again, Greg Stroman and you can keep Adonis Alexander. That's if Adonis Alexander can prove himself at free safety and if they feel like he's competent at free safety and if he can stay on the field. Because right now you have Landon Collins, yes. You have Monte Nicholson, who's fine as long as he's healthy and not a knucklehead. We've discussed that uh, at length. Um, he'll be on the roster, again, barring some weird circumstance. DeShazer Everett is definitely on the roster because he's a special teams ace and leader and captain and all that stuff. So that's three. Then the question becomes, is Troy Apke, who was largely drafted for his speed and his special teams prowess, fourth-round pick out of Penn State in last year's draft, not this past year, in the 2018 draft, is he a guy that can find a way to get out of the tub, off the trainer's table, onto the field, and open Jay Gruden's eyes because Jay Gruden has thrown him under the bus publicly several times. Uh, Jay Gruden is not a fan, uh, from what I can tell, of Troy Apke. So he's got a big uphill climb to be that fourth safety, assuming that Monte Nicholson, again, is not a knucklehead, and Landon Collins and DeShazer Everett both make it through training camp of the preseason, fine, healthy, and in good shape. I mean, they're definitely on as long as they're healthy and not out for the season, right? So I look at that fourth free safety position basically being a battle between, again, Adonis Alexander and probably Troy Apke, unless we're talking about DRC being a free safety, which he's played a limited amount of reps uh, at... With the New York Giants, not last year with the Oakland Raiders, a limited amount of reps over several years with the New York Giants, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, and their premium subscription package and their premium snap counts package. So he's played a little bit of free safety. And remember, when we played Ray Horton, I talked to him, and in that conversation it came up, and he just volunteered it, maybe you might see DRC at free safety. So maybe DRC is that fourth free safety. We know he can play corner, and that allows them to essentially take an extra corner, i.e., i.e., Adonis Alexander to continue his development because Stroman would then slot basically into DRC's slot. He can play the slot and that position. He would essentially be the fifth corner. Again, that would allow you to carry Adonis Alexander, continue his development, and it would put basically, again, Troy Apke versus DRC as that fourth safety in the group and you're probably going to take DRC, even though Apke, you don't want to give up on his speed and athleticism for his special team's prowess. All right, so that's a look at that position group. Ultimately, I think the Redskins will take 10, six corners, four safeties. Uh, that's as good of a look as I think you can get in about 11, 10 minutes or so uh, right here on the Lockdown Redskins podcast. So we'll do the linebacker group 
uh, the linebacker group. Uh, we'll probably do the outside linebackers, and we'll probably split up the inside linebackers. I'm not sure how uh, exactly I'm going to do that yet, but we'll do that next on the next episode. That's episode number uh, 264. But for now, it is episode number 263, back in a flash with our two-part offensive preview of the New York Giants with Patricia Trana. That's next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Redskins Podcast. It is episode number 263, right out to my friend Patricia Trana, host of the Locked On Giants Podcast. We spoke recently on the phone and got a good look at the offensive preview side of the New York Giants. No Odell Beckham, Eli hanging on for dear life, Daniel Jones, a new quarterback, Saquon Barkley, a lot of talent, Golden Tate as well, Sterling Shepard, good tight end situation, improved offensive line. That's right here and right now, part one with Patricia Trana. We have to start at quarterback. They draft Daniel Jones, number six overall, uh, out of Duke. A lot of people have a very high impression on him. Peyton Manning, Eli Manning comparisons. Maybe that's just the Cutcliffe thing. Maybe that's the intelligence and the smarts things from Duke. Before we get to him, we don't expect him, I don't think, to to play soon. And that means Eli Manning is the incumbent and is the plan starter. Is is that everything that if Eli's healthy, uh, that that is your complete expectation, right? There's no way that this is a legit open football quarterback competition, correct? It's not a competition. I know people took Pat Shermer's words as as they're as leaving the door open for a competition, mm-hmm. but. What's going to happen is that as long as Eli is healthy, as long as the Giants are in the playoff hunt, he will be the guy. Now, will Daniel Jones get get a series here and there or spot duty? I think at some point, yes, we will see him. You know, I think at some point, maybe towards the end of the year, he'll get an opportunity to go through an entire week of game planning and, and, you know, getting ready to to lead the offense and, and starting. I do think that will happen, but as long as that team is in the playoff hunt, Eli is going to be the guy. As long as Eli can, can stand up and look, Eli Manning, um, I know there's a very split opinion about him. A lot of Giant fans have soured on him. There are some who are still behind him. You know, for what it's worth, Eli, there are no more excuses for him, okay? They fixed the offensive line. He's got decent receivers and tight ends. He's got a running game. He's got a, you know, the defense has been improved. You know, again, everything's on paper. I understand that. But now you can't sit there and you can't say, oh, well, Eli, you know, played behind a garbage offensive line. So what chance did he have? This has got to be the year that he's got to show people that he still has it. And if he just, you know, goes out there and, and, and shows he's got a noodle arm, which, by the way, in, in, in the OTAs, he looked like he could throw the ball just as, as good as anybody out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if something goes wrong and it's on him, then, yes, by all means, you make the switch. But, you know, as you and I were talking about on, on the Washington preview show, 
Um, you've got a rookie quarterback in Daniel Jones, right. and there's I just don't see how he's going to be ready for week one. I mean, he's a smart kid. He's learning at a rapid pace, and, and quite frankly, and I've made this observation before, out of all the quarterbacks the Giants have brought in since Eli Manning, you know, to be this backup, Jones has looked like the most polished and, and just – you know, has been the most impressive as far as learning, not making the same mistakes twice, and so on and so forth. But it takes time. This is a kid who, you know, the ball is still not coming out. You know, it's coming out maybe a tad too late because he's still going through his reads, and he has to expedite that clock in his head. So, look, I'm sorry. Those of you who want to see a quarterback competition, I don't think you're going to get that this summer. You mentioned Jones, and, and I don't think this is a big deal, ball coming out a little bit late. He's trying to process so much information. From everything that you've been able to witness and observe, does he have – we know he has the intelligence. We know he has the football IQ, or at least that's what we were sold on. We know his accuracy is a major question. Does he have the mentality uh, in just your brief time around him to handle the, the rigors and the pressures of eventually being the New York Giants quarterback and, again, the New York media and the pressure that comes with that? Or do you think he's kind of like one of these ho-hum – you know, uh, I don't want to call him a country boy, deer in the headlights, but you, you know, where, where he's, where, where stuff like what's going to happen when he eventually does play and maybe even now is going to get to him and get under his skin. Do you have any sense of that yet? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I made this, this, <laughs> this comparison going back to the combine and I know I got a few of my followers crazy, but I posted a picture of Daniel Jones at the podium, and I and I titled it Eli Jr. Because, <laughs> and right. the reason why I did that is because if you look at the two of them, they, they, they literally look like they're brothers. I mean, they look yeah. so much alike. I remember I was standing – I went to an event that the Giants held, and I was standing behind what I thought was Eli. It was Daniel Jones, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> goodness. How can I mix it up? But as far as the demeanor goes – Daniel is so much like Eli, it's scary. I mean, he's he just the way he shrugs, the way he ums, you know, the way the way he he addresses, you know, he'll, he'll look at you. I mean, I see a lot of Eli in his in in his personality. Now, I'm sure he's got different traits that'll set him apart from Eli. I don't know, you know, I've never spoken to Daniel one on one, at least not for any length of, of time. But, um, but yeah, it, it's. It, it's pretty amazing that this kid, he's not phased or he hasn't been phased yet by the media. But you also have to remember this. Right now, he's coming into a situation where the, a, a large facet of the, of the fan base is down on Eli. And you know that old saying how the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the on the team? So let's see what happens when, you know, he starts getting into games and let's see how he looks, you know, what's going to happen if he throws an interception or has a, you know, a, a bad game, you know, there, there's still a lot of, you know, to be determined factors, I think, before we can really make that judgment. But so far, I would say that nothing has faced this young man. All right, moving off of the quarterbacks, because we could talk forever about the, the, the possibilities here, um, and that's some really good detail and, and, and a deep dive into kind of the, the shield behind, or the stuff behind the shield, if you will. How does Saquon Barkley, who's terrific, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know why people still think that he was not worth the number two overall pick, whatever. I, 
I, I get the quarterback fascination. I'm sorry. I loved Saquon Barkley coming out. Nothing he did last year disappointed me. How does he get better, Patricia? Wow. How does he get better? Um, he was pretty good last year, but uh, I know, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if you were to ask Saquon Barkley how he can get better, um, I think he would probably tell you that he'd want to be a, a you know, improve as a leader. I think he would probably, you know, go back and look at all the, the things that, you know, like the drop passes, for example, I know those eat away at him. You know, he's such a perfectionist and, and a kid who really wants to do and contribute as much as he can and not be a detriment. And he takes drop passes. He takes, you know, rushes that, you know, where he should have maybe gone for daylight, but but he gets stopped for, you know, a loss. He takes all that personally. I remember an incident in the lock, not an incident, but but after a game one year, he had had um, a, he had had a, a, a tremendous game personally, but the team had lost. And he sat on his stool in the postgame locker room, absolutely beside himself. You would think that he was the reason that they lost and he wasn't. And he just sat there and he, I thought he was going to cry. That's how upset he was. This was late last year. And I remember myself and another reporter, we were standing there talking with him and we were trying to console the guy and, and, and he just kept shaking his head and he goes, I didn't do enough. I have to do more. And we walked away from that, that, you know, encounter. And we said, this kid gets it. So, you know, I, I think the important thing for Saquon Barkley moving forward is, yes, you want to grow as a player, you want to grow as a as a person, but I think there has to be a balance to where you're not putting so much pressure on yourself that that you know you you break so to speak if if it doesn't pan out. You you've got to you got to be kind of forgiving of your mistakes, learn from them absolutely. But don't take them to the point where you're going to beat yourself up and you're going to become ineffective on subsequent plays. All right, so that is part one, a look at the New York Giants on offense. When we come back, we'll finish it up with Patricia next, right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we welcome you back. It is episode number 263 of the Locked On Redskins Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. As always, make sure you follow at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins, and at Locked On NFL Net. And you can follow me individually at at WrestleMania621. Don't forget, you can email me as well, WrestleMania09 at gmail.com if you have a Skins story that you'd like to share how and why you continue, how you became a Redskins fan and why you continue to support the team. We'd love to hear from you. We'll read it on the podcast. Uh, just hashtag it Skins Story or subject title it Skins Story, or if you want to send it via Twitter, Hashtag it, skin story. Back to Patricia for the final part of our Giants offensive preview. Beyond Saquon and the quarterbacks, we talked a little bit about the offensive line. Um, at, at receiver, though, and, and, and targets for 
Eli and eventually, ultimately, Daniel Jones. We mentioned Saquon, and we went there. You have Evan Ingram, a good young tight end who's still developing. You have a bolstered offensive line, and then you add in Golden Tate to kind of essentially replace Odell Beckham, and I know they're not the same uh, type player, and I'm not trying to paint them out to be, but Golden Tate is um, certainly a productive player. Does he fit on this offense, um, and, and is he going to be the, the slot guy? Is he going to play more outside? Like, How do they kind of envision Golden Tate being used? I think what they're going to do is they're going to move him around. I mean, Pat Shermer likes to move around his his you know, receivers to get the ideal matchup. So I think you're going to see Golden Tate in the slot. I think you're going to see him outside. You might even see him on some end arounds for all we know. But, you know, a lot a lot of people think that, you know, he's going to be the guy that's going to replace Odell. And I just want to, you know, clarify something. I don't think you can replace Odell because, like I, right. like I said before, he's a tremendous talent. He's a once – he's a generational talent. What they're going to try to do is they're going to try to replace that – production and I don't think it's going to fall on one guy's shoulders you know a guy that that we haven't talked about yet I don't know if you were planning to ask about him but I think he's going to be key is Evan Ingram the tight end this is a guy who is a you know he's a bona fide you know receiver in a tight end's body you know um, and I think you know, I don't want to compare him to Rob Gronkowski because he's not on that level but I think the Giants hope to use him in some of the ways like the Patriots use Rob Gronkowski, you know, would split out wide, you know, motioning him out of the backfield, you know, having him run some of those deeper routes and whatnot. So that's the guy I think that they're really going to look look to. And, and if you go back and you look at the numbers, Ingram has had some of his finest production without Odell in the lineup because he's mm-hmm. taken on more. So there's, there's reason to believe that that's going to continue this year. Now, the thing with Evan Ingram, unfortunately, has been keeping him on the field. He's had injuries. You know, last year he missed, I think, I want to say five or six games for a variety of injuries. He missed part of the spring with a hamstring strain. So that's going to be the, the key here. And this is a big year for Evan Ingram because after this year, the Giants need to make a decision whether or not to pick up the option year on his rookie deal. I think they will because of the talent. But look, if he ends up injured and missing games again, I think at that point they've got to reevaluate where they stand with him. Patricia Trana is with us, giving us a good look at the Giants offense. Um, and, and I'm glad, you know, I, I kind of briefly glanced over uh, Evan Ingram. I, I probably should have spent a little bit more time on that. We kind of took a look at Saquon, the quarterbacks, uh, the receivers. Uh, is One last thing, and then we'll wrap this up uh, on the offense, and then we'll come back and do the defense. This giant offensive line certainly was in need of a remake, and they have done a lot of work to remake it. Solder, Hernandez, Jalapio, now Zeitler, Remmers. Is it, in? I guess, as quickly as you can, is it a good offensive line or is it still a major question mark? Well, you know, it's interesting. Last year when they remade the offensive line, the question that, that a lot of us debated is, is it a better offensive line or a different offensive line? <laughs> and on paper it looked better, but as we know in the beginning, the first edition of that offensive line was different. It wasn't necessarily better. Now... They brought in, uh, this year, they completed the right side renovation. They added some experienced guys. Um, Kevin Zeitler acquired in the Olivier Vernon trade, 
who was Pro Football Focus's top-rated guard. Mm -hmm. They added Mike Remmers, who was with Pat Shermer in Minnesota a couple of years ago, and who was pretty solid, from what I understand, as a tackle. I know he, he was moved inside to guard and maybe didn't perform as well. So, you know, they're optimistic there. And then on the left side, you know, Nate Solder, who they acquired in free agency from the Patriots. A lot of people, you know... We're down on Nate Solder last year, especially in the beginning. But what I don't think a lot of people not, you know, took into consideration is that, number one, Solder played most of the season with an injury. And number two, he was playing alongside of a rookie. And when you, you have a guy playing alongside a rookie, you tend to be a little bit more um, involved, if you will, with what that guy's doing just to get him right. Well, Will Hernandez, that rookie, that kid's going to be a stud. I mean, he's already a stud. And I think this year, you know, having a year under his belt, playing alongside of Solder and assuming Solder is over his injury, which I believe he should be, that left side is going to be that much better. I think the right side is going to be stronger. I'm still not sure exactly what's going to happen in the center. I know they like John Halapio. Um, th there's kind of a, I guess, a competition going on between Halapio and Spencer Pulley, who stepped in for the Giants after Halapio, you know, went down and uh, John Greco, who was no longer with the team, didn't work out at that spot. But um, yeah, I, I think on paper, I like the direction this offensive line is headed. But it's again, it's the question right now, is it different or is it better? Right now, we can definitely say that it's different, but only time will tell if it's actually been you know, if it's actually better. Absolutely. Patricia Trainer giving us the great breakdown of the New York Giants, who, again, the Redskins will meet in week four for the first time in the 2019 regular season at MetLife Stadium, week four to round out the September portion of the regular season. Coming up on the next episode, episode number 264, we'll look at the Giants' rebuilt defense as well, minus Landon Collins, because... He's with the Redskins. That'll be on episode number 264. For now, we say goodbye. We say thank you for listening and downloading the Locked on Redskins podcast. Adios. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.